We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with this is TJ Emin, as always, unless when he's not, and it's Zach Green, but it is TJ this week. Uh, we are to get through the season as best as we can. Indiana fell to Michigan on Saturday night, 29 to 7. Bowl eligibility is now off the table, um, unless I, I don't think any five win teams are going this year. Uh, so it is off the table. Uh, Indiana faces Rutgers on Saturday at noon. Uh, thank God it's not another night game at noon in uh, Bloomington at Memorial Stadium. Rutgers has not scored a point against Indiana in Bloomington since 2015. Uh, so Indiana has that going for them. Uh, but we'll see. Another piece of news was uh, the Minnesota game on November 20th is a 3:30 game. And it will also be televised on Big Ten Network. TJ, let's uh, let's get a word from our sponsors uh, first over at Symbol. We have a new sponsor that uh, you guys are going to love, Symbol. It is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adapters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. So that's visit symbol.com and use promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No question asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Uh, so, TJ, Indiana went up to Michigan as 20, 20-and-a-half-point 20 underdogs. Um, lost 29-7. I think the score looked a lot better than the game actually was, uh, thanks to some uh, Michigan inefficiency in the red zone, uh, settling for field goals, and then a nice stop on a two-point conversion by IU's defense. Uh, much of the same thing. Indiana didn't break 200 yards of offense. They had, I believe, 53 yards of offense in the second half, two first downs in the second half. Uh, Tom Allen was seen getting in the face of Nick Sheridan on the sideline, which should make Indiana fans happy uh, since all of us uh, have wanted to do that to Nick Sheridan all year and maybe longer, uh, some significant injuries coming out of this one as well as the se- this is the season that just everybody's getting injured. Stephen Carr, starting running back, went out early with an ankle injury. He's 
to be determined going forward. So that uh, leaves Indiana with one available scholarship back in David Holloman as Trent Howland was suspended for two games prior to the game. Um, Luke Haggard is supposed to practice Tuesday. He went out after three plays and couldn't come back in. He'll be reevaluated Tuesday and see where he's at. And then Jaron Handy along the defensive line, it sounds like he's going to be out for a while uh, as well. <sighs> so through the injury report, Indiana did not look, even though um, they just didn't look good at, at, at Michigan. It's more the same against top teams. Uh, very little offense. Defense looks totally gassed. Uh, as well. TJ, what are your takeaways from, from the Michigan game? Uh, I, I think it went about as expected. Um, it was, I thought the first half was probably maybe a little better than anticipated. Um, like you said, red zone inefficiency for Michigan, which has been a problem for them uh, this season, and it kind of continued that way. Uh, and kept them from really blowing the doors off. But um, overall, I thought the first half was somewhat positive, I guess, if you're really searching. Uh, there was one drive by the offense that, um, you know, offered a, offered a glimpse of promise. A uh, very nice run from Donovan McCauley where he showed um, some real burst and some strength as well. Uh, to get away from a couple of tacklers and uh, fight his way inside of the five. Chris Childers, a couple of plays later, punches it in for IU's lone score. And at that point, uh, it was 10-7. And, um, you know, there, there was a tad bit of momentum. Uh, of course, that momentum lasted uh, roughly two or three of game time. Michigan, you know, Hassan Haskins breaks off a long run. Uh, and the Wolverines score, you know, shortly after that. So um, that was the high point for IU. The second half, just completely toothless performance from the offense. They had absolutely nothing to trouble Michigan. And if you're looking for the areas to kind of say, well, if we can fix this area, then things will improve quite a bit. Unfortunately for IU's offense, I don't think it's that easy. Uh, I think you have to start up front, the offensive line, again, completely overwhelmed by Michigan's front. Um, Michigan didn't even have to blitz all that much, and they were living in the backfield. Uh, very difficult to evaluate what Donovan McCauley could be because he's got no chance playing behind that line. None. He has no chance to set his feet, go through progressions, and make a play. Because every time he drops back, he's got to know, I've got one, maybe two seconds before I'm getting hit and put on my backside. And that has to be an incredibly difficult way to try and make your, your uh, you know, debuts in, in college football. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he expected defenses to be faster than what he had in high school. That's obvious. I'm not sure if anybody within reason could perform really well behind that offensive line 
And then further, I'm not sure what you want a quarterback to do with that receiver group. Because, and we can't fault the guys that haven't gotten on the field. But the ones that have consistently gotten the snaps have been really underwhelming. And again, you can't just say, well, the receivers have been terrible. That's why the offense has stunk. Well, the offensive line is terrible. That's why the offensive line has stunk. Exactly. It's all wrapped up. It's all connected. Football is very much a team game. You have to point the finger. You run out of fingers to point. I mean, you need like five hands. To, to point all these fingers, but if you're Tom Allen looking for solutions, you, you have a lot more questions than you do answers because the receivers, let's go through the amount of catches that they've had in big 10 games. This is not, you know, this is not touchdowns. This is not um, explosive plays. This is receptions period for the wide receiver group in big 10 games. Iowa, seven. Penn State, eight. Michigan State, 15. All right. That was probably Ty Freifogel's best game of the season, and it was not a good game. It was just not bad. Uh, Three against Ohio State, seven against Maryland, two, that's right, two receptions for wide receivers in the entire game. That averages out to seven receptions per contest against conference opponents for the wide receivers. That's mind-boggling. I, I, Indiana does not play an option offense, and they don't run the ball 50 times a game. They just have a group that is incapable of getting separation, an offensive line that is incapable of providing protection on a consistent basis, and... I think wide receivers that have failed to make hardly any contested catches this season. And I, I, I don't want to point the finger here at Malachi Holt Bennett because he's gotten very little run, but I think it was an example. Indiana had a third down protection. And I think it was 17, seven still at this point, I believe I yeah. could be wrong on that largely irrelevant, but a third down, McCauley had to scramble because pass protection, shockingly, broke down very quickly. He gets to the outside, is directing Malachi Holt Bennett, had to make a decision whether or not he could run for the first down, which he probably wouldn't have gotten because the defender was keying in on him. So he throws, makes a very good throw given you know, he's rolling out on the move, makes a good throw. Michigan in tight coverage. It would have been a difficult catch. Holt Bennett gets his hands on it, unable to make the play. IU pumps it away. That, that was a perfect example. The offense was put into a bad position because of the offensive line. McCauley's still able to start to make a play out of it, and then they don't make the contested catch. And they have to punt, and the offense doesn't score any more points the rest of the game. Yep. Uh, and I, I think another another play that stood out to me was late in the game. I think it was on a fourth down. They decided to go for it instead of kick a field goal. And they threw it down yeah. the sideline to tie Freifogel. 
I didn't even make an effort. He ran. Like, that's he a, jogged. That's what he did. He just jogged. Yeah, I mean, would, and would it's. You that ball? I don't know. Probably not. No, but, but if you make an effort, you might like, draw. Oh, you yeah. might. You might draw a flag. You know, it, it. He was invisible on Saturday, and he's been non-competitive in a lot of games this year in a lot of big spots. I don't know if he came in injured and if that's look, if he's injured and and that's the effort he's putting, you got to sit him on the bench. Uh, And and even if he's not injured, if that's the effort, especially with you, you have Malachi Holt Bennett, Jordan Williams, and uh, Jock has Smith on the, on the bench. You got to use the bench and I don't care if, Grant Hurd is buddies with Fry Fogel's dad and things like that. Grant Hurd's job is going to be on the line too. And if he can't get these units to produce over the next three games, his he's going to be on his way out of Bloomington. Even though his wide receiver wide receiver group last year was very good, they have not even come close to meeting the low end of expectations for for Indiana's um, receivers this year. You know, like you said, they, I, I think you pointed out earlier that they, they've had one receiving touchdown since Idaho. Yeah. And that was probably a garbage touchdown at some point, maybe. Um, well, I mean, we know for sure that they have not – I, I had that. Well, we don't need to get into specifics on, on that, I guess. Waste people's time looking it up. But yeah. um, I, I think it, if you have a group of wide receivers that can't get separation and have not produced, I think... Oh, it was DJ Matthews against Cincinnati. So, yeah, uh, it, yeah. it's been... It's been forever, and it's time. You know, we we said that they have depth. They do have depth. They have four four star guys on the bench, and it's time to see what you have next year. Because Fry Fogel's not coming back next year, uh, and you got to see what you have in Jacoby Hewitt. You got to see what you have in Miles Marshall, and then you have to have, see what what's in next next group. And I think. What you're seeing now, TJ, is something that Tom Allen has done a poor job of. And whether it's him, his offensive coaches, or things like that, the young guys who didn't get a chance to play in some of these blowout games the last couple years, uh, going back to 2019, it's starting to bite them in the butt. Um, You know, you didn't see Jack Tuttle play in blowout wins other than handing the ball off. And when he comes in, they were scared to run the offense. You didn't see Donovan McCulley come in and blow out wins, uh, you know, in, a, in the blowout win over Idaho uh, because they were trying to preserve a redshirt. Well, those reps could have come in handy too. Uh, you didn't see a lot of the young receivers play in, in 2019 in, in some blowout wins. So all those reps and that development, sure, they have depth on paper, but you have to develop that depth too. And they just haven't done that well enough on the offensive side of the ball uh, at the skill positions. Uh, yeah, you could say that, you know, 90% of the running back room left. Okay. But they weren't, Samson James never got better. Ronnie Walker never really got better. 
Tim Baldwin never really got better uh, and, and things like that. So they have to start use this time wisely. Yeah, it's three games. There's probably going to be 15,000 people at the game on Saturday. You, All this stuff is for 2022 now, outside of the bucket game, because that's for this year. But you have to get these guys ready to go for next year. You have to try and figure out who's going to be back, who's going to hit the portal, and figure out what you have. Because I fully expect, outside of Dellen McCullough, an entire new offensive offensive staff. And you need to get some guys on tape for another staff to come in. And you've got to see if these guys can play under pressure against Big Ten teams. So and and yeah. it's come it's now coming back to bite him again. There's one guy that I think outside of Dylan McCullough that I think uh, Kevin probably, yeah I I feel like tight ends when given opportunities I think have have done well enough. Yeah, Kevin Wright um, is safe um, in, in my opinion. I just keep forgetting about him because he's the tight ends coach. But uh, yeah, you, you know. Hendershot continues to be the offense's best player and continues to be underutilized. And I feel like we say it every week, um, but it, it continues to happen. So we kind of have to keep bringing it up. He's the only guy that consistently makes good things happen on offense. That He's it. I mean, yep. none of the receivers have, I, I, I just, I don't understand. I'm sure that right now, if you're, you know, the Rutgers defensive coordinator, your game plan probably starts with, okay, who's going to play quarterback, which I guess we have to get into that here in a minute. But um, your second point is going to be, okay, let's get pressure and let's bring that against this offensive line and get penetration. And then third on that list is probably – you know, how do we remove Peyton Hendershot? Because other than that, who are we worried about? And Indiana, in my opinion, has done a very poor job of leveraging Peyton Hendershot as the weapon that, that he's shown he can be. Yeah. Um, it's It's been frustrating for him. That was evident on Saturday night. Yeah, I don't know um, if you could uh, see it on, on the TV broadcast. I tried to look it up. But yeah, you could. Um, yep. So uh, from the press box, you could see it clearly. And it was a, there was a minute and 13 seconds left. They had just had a seven yard run on first down. And basically, IU shut it down from there. And he was demonstrative, yelling at the coaches, waving his arms around. I don't know what he said because you're a mile away and he's facing the other way. Sure. And I mean, don't have x ray super van vision. Um, so it's, it was, you know, it, it it showed his frustration of, hey, let's throw it deep. I asked Alan about it after the game. He said it was basically, we have a young quarterback. We don't want to make any mistakes and give Michigan the ball back there, which is uh, whoever the announcer was, was a Joel Klatt said that on TV. You don't give Michigan right. the ball back. You take the 17-7 deficit into halftime. But what does Indiana have to lose is my point. You have a young quarterback need some reps in the two minute offense and either you have no faith in your offensive line, which is fine. Like it's not fine, but it's understandable. 
that you have no faith in this offensive line and, and not getting him killed, uh, McCulley killed and things like that. But why not throw something deep on second and three? You know, Michigan's not going to call timeout. Uh, and if they do, you punt the ball back. You run it on third down, and you punt the ball back, and you try and stop. So that's what I don't get. It was the lack of aggressiveness there. And, and look, maybe a miracle happens and you score, uh, you know, you, you get into scoring range and make it a, a one-score game. And then, you know, people saw clearly on TV after a, a third down draw at the end of the third quarter, he just lit into Sheridan. Uh, and it wasn't a very long conversation, uh, but it was an angry one. Even though after the game he said it was more about the botched snap on a third down that ended ended a drive, uh, he it, it was clear that that happened twice then. Um, because he, after the, the draw, he glared and, and said something to Sheridan that wasn't uh, wasn't very friendly. So it, it's I think his frustration, Allen's frustration with the offense is boiled over too, which could be a good sign for Indiana fans if you're looking for for a change to be made. Uh, what do you what before we close the book on Michigan, uh, TJ? Any final thoughts on that? Uh, not on the offensive side of the ball, although I, I do think we, you know, we have to acknowledge um, it is incredibly difficult to execute any offensive game plan when you are dealing with the level of injury attrition I use had. Um, that that can you can say that's an excuse. Okay, fine. That I'm an apologist. Okay, fine. Um, I just I think it has to be acknowledged the amount of injury attrition that has occurred to the offense would have a uh, you know a, a noticeable impact on just about any team in the country. Um, that's I, I think it's very possible the offense would have been you know almost as bad as it is right now even without those injuries, which is why I, I do think changes are required. Um, but it, it's it's also objective and fair to point out that, man, when you're you're scraping the bottom of the barrel at running back, uh, and, and you're playing a, a quarterback that entered, you know, this season. If Dexter Williams is healthy, he's he's fourth string. Um, they were there's just no two ways about it. They were not planning on Donovan McCauley having a uh, sizable role this season, and. You know, it's it's kind of a season where if something wrong could happen, it, it's found a way to happen. Um, so I think it has to be acknowledged while also, you know, looking past those things and saying, OK, outside of the injuries, what have we as coaches done that have helped, you know, work around those injuries? What have we as an offensive staff done? that have set the players we do have up for success. And there are not really any good answers for those questions. Um, it's, it has gotten back to the, to the point from a me just as a fan watching the games where when I gets the ball, I do not feel like there's any way 
they're going to drive down the field and score. Just no confidence whatsoever that something good is going to happen on that side of the ball. Uh, and I, I don't recall having those feelings since prior, I would say going back to um, probably Xander Diamant at quarterback. And this offense is significantly worse than that one. Yeah, I, so, you know, I, I, I try tough. to compare this team to IU teams of the past. To me, it's very similar to the 2018. Um, when Kellen Lewis came back, uh, he got hurt and then ultimately dismissed from the team. And Ben Chappell yeah. took over. Now, Chappell ended up being a good quarterback in the end, but that was a team that had, you know, high expectations probably should have gone, you know, could have gone to a bowl game if things worked out uh, the way they should have. But they they lost to a similar group of five team loss to, to you know, undefeated Ball State. Now, Cincinnati's much better than Ball State. But, man, it, it's it, it, – you're right. The injuries do take a toll, and, you know, it, it's – it's not an excuse, but it's a reason why things happen. And at the end of the year, I'm going to write an article on, you know, what led to this. Uh, and this could be five and seven, or it could be two and 10. Um, and injuries are definitely a factor on that. But for a team, you know, and, and anytime, you, you know, you talk about that, the bigger teams, they're going to be impacted um, a little bit too. But at some point, you also have to develop your depth. And I think all that, what I said before, has come back to bite them. But let's get to Rutgers, TJ. Uh, but before we get to Rutgers, we have um, another word from our sponsors over at Symbol. Symbol is a sports stock market that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash, out, uh, cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you could buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose your money uh, or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. So TJ Rutgers is coming in at four and five uh, with one Big Ten win, which was over Illinois, I believe it was 20 to 14. A couple of weeks ago, they um, they got off to a hot start, have stumbled. They lost 52-3 last week to Wisconsin at home. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on, on Rutgers? IU, I think, opened as an eight-point favorite. I saw it on ESPN as a six-and-a-half-point favorite uh, now today. What, what's your first thoughts on, on this game uh, against Rutgers, and, and can IU get its first Big Ten win of the season? Definitely can. Um, this this is unfortunately uh, looks like the you know matchup of uh, possibly the two worst teams in the conference. I think Northwestern would uh, potentially like a word as well. Uh, but I I think that looking at the line, I don't know how you have Indiana as a favorite against anybody in the conference right now based on what I use offense has done. Um, but, you know, you have to just look at who they're playing and 
Rutgers has really gotten the tar beat out of them a few times here recently. Um, they are a team that I think has, has disappointed uh, their fan base as well. Um, they're four and five right now, but some of the performances here recently are, are well below what I'm sure Greg Schiano expects uh, and what the Rutgers fans thought they were going to be getting this year. Um, just last week against Wisconsin, who you know, don't look now, but Wisconsin is starting to play really, really well. The Badgers, 579 to 207 in terms of yards, um, you know, running it on, Wisconsin, or on Rutgers for 305, but also throwing it for 274. Um, Graham Mertz had a big day, which is something that has not been said very often at all. 11 completions for 240 yards. So lots of explosive plays in the passing game, which is something that IU just flat out has not had uh, this season. So if there's a chance to actually get right uh, as an offense, or at least have one day to feel good about yourself, this might be the day to do that. Uh, it's a secondary that has had some injuries and they have underperformed uh, based on what we thought they were going to be coming in. On the other side of the ball, Noah Bedrill, who IU did play um, both with Nebraska and with Rutgers, he got hurt last week, um, left the game, I believe it was in the third quarter with uh, what appeared to be a head injury after a hard hit. Greg Schiano did say um, on Saturday that he felt like uh, Vedral would progress throughout the week and be available Saturday, but he couldn't be sure. So it's possible he can't go. Uh, he struggled with turnovers, and, and they've not been particularly explosive on offense. They are now without Isaiah Pache or I'm sorry. Um, they are now without Aaron Crookshank, who is probably their most explosive wide receiver. Uh, Bo, Bel Bo Melton uh, remains their, their best wide out. He's got 43 catches on the year, three touchdowns. Not a particularly dangerous group, though. Uh, running back, a pretty good uh, player, Isaiah Pacheco. He's struggled, though, because their offensive line, much like IU's, has really had a hard time generating much of anything for their offense. Uh, they've had a hard time with protection, had a hard time opening up holes for their running backs. On, on the uh, season, they're averaging 3.49 yards a carry. Um, not an explosive offense. I think the, the right play for this game is definitely the under. I'm not sure what it's going to be set at, what the total will be set at, but I don't see either offense having much success. Um, I do think that Indiana will need for their defense to create some takeaways, which just has not happened this year. That's another reason you have to look at for some offensive struggles. The defense has been unable to take the ball away and set them up in advantageous field position very often at all. Uh, and that's hurt things because if you don't get those, those short fields occasionally and you're constantly as an offense having to go 60, 70, 80 yards for touchdowns, even with a good offense, you're going to have some games where that's a, a difficult thing to do. And when you have a bad offense like I use, and you don't get those takeaways from your defense, you're really put in a hole. So I think the IU defense has to force some takeaways against the Rutgers team 
uh, they, they will turn it over. Um, so the Hoosiers, I think, need to do that. And then the offense has to capitalize. Anytime you get in the red zone in this game, both teams are going to feel like they need to score touchdowns because their offenses have really struggled against conference competition. Yeah, and uh, I use defensive coordinator Toronto Warren said some inter- some something interesting uh, today about why there, there's been a lack of, of turnovers uh, and takeaways. They've been playing more man defense this year as opposed to last year when they played more zone. Um, and in in a zone defense, your your eyes are on the ball a lot more uh, in terms of that. In, in terms of playing defense than, than you are in man when you're focused on your man and defense. So, you know, that could be one of the reasons why I'd like to see him go back to, to the zone a little bit more and, and things like that. They, they do have to create takeaways because that's why they were successful last year and why they were able to put up points against some of these teams that they're not able to put up points against this year. Uh, you know, getting the ball back uh, in, in good field position uh, and things like that are going to help, especially when special teams hasn't been a, a huge factor in the return game and things like that. So I don't know if you're going to see a, a wholesale change to to zone this year, but maybe that's something in the off season they could tweak and um, play more of a the style of play that Kane Womack had last year uh, than Charlton Warren. And I think Warren's done an, a, a, an adequate job this year. The defense early on was the strength of this team. Uh, injuries added up anytime you're missing your three or four uh, top defensive backs uh, mm-hmm. in the secondary. It's going to be a factor. I also think this um, this defense is exhausted. They were on the field a lot earlier in the season. They didn't play very many people as well uh, and, and things like that. So, yeah, there are a lot of factors that are going into Indiana's defensive side. Plus, they're playing teams who are just a little bit more athletic and, and and better on offense. Ohio State's a very good offense. Maryland has some really good athletes um, on offense. Michigan, Hassan Haskins is a heck of a running back. Uh, Cade McNamara can, can sling it and, and things like that. So, yeah, the defense hasn't been performing as well, but they've also been – playing uh, offenses who are a little bit more explosive. And when you're down an All-American at corner and an All-Big Ten at corner uh, and another guy who has started at corner for you and played pretty well, it's it's tough sledding. And it, this, is, this is the injuries wiped out this year on defense too. Um, it, so it, it's been a frustrating year. TJ, what is your – Let's just go straight into to predictions. What's your prediction for Saturday? That's a great idea. I mean, the the keys to the game on this one are, are hard to identify because it just feels like there's basically nothing that IU is doing particularly well. So uh, you could point to everything as a key and just say, hey, do all of that better, and maybe you'll have a shot at actually winning a conference game. Uh, prediction – Look, I, I am struggling to find any confidence in actually thinking IU is going to win a game because Rutgers, they actually have beaten some teams that have a pulse this year. I mean, they beat Illinois, uh, which is 
more than anything IU has accomplished on the field this year. That being said, uh, I think the team is still playing hard for the most part. There do appear to be a few exceptions, uh, but I think for the most part, these guys are still playing hard. Um, you know, I mean, Donovan McCauley, he was busting his tail, attempting to get yardage on those draw plays where he's just getting the crap beat out of him by a big physical defense. And he still kept plugging it in there, trying to get yardage. The walk-on running backs, they were doing what they could. Uh, Peyton Hendershot is still doing what he can. The defense, as, as depleted as they are in the secondary, they're still playing. Micah McFadden, bless him, is, is still fun and exciting to watch. And I, I, I really hope they get a win at home for, uh, for him and for Cam Jones, those senior linebackers. Um, so I, I am going to perhaps pick a little bit with my heart over my head. Uh, but look, it's not like Rutgers is, is some great opponent that IU has to rise up and beat. I just think IU has to play a clean game force one or two takeaways on, a, on defense and find a way to get a few explosive plays on offense. I think that'll do it. I'm going to take Indiana to win this game 17 to 13. It's going to be ugly. I don't think it's going to be particularly entertaining, but I do think IU gets the first conference victory of the year. Yeah. Well, I joked with you when the line came out uh, at IU minus eight uh, or eight and a half, whatever it was. So I don't – can IU even score eight points? Um, I, I think they kind of get off the schneid yeah. this week. We'll we'll see who's healthy. But Peyton Endershot will be the best player on the field when IU's on offense, and they have to be able to, to get him the ball. And if they uh, sprinkle in some of these younger guys, maybe get Miles Marshall, Ty Freifogel, and um, – you know, Jacoby Hewitt going uh, and things like that. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. Rutgers defense, although last week they did give up 52 points to Wisconsin. Uh, that was a season high for the Badgers. It's, I think it's going to be a grinded out game uh, and things like that. I like your 17 to 13 pick. Uh, I'm going to take IU 21 uh, Rutgers at 17. Uh, Indiana gets their first big 10 win of the year. Maybe they, they could, uh, you know, gain some momentum and some confidence and end the season on a high note. They, you just can't end the season at, at two and 10 and no. getting a, a conference win against Rutgers will take you out of the basement of the big 10 East uh, probably as Rutgers has Penn state and Maryland left, uh, left to play. So a win here uh, keeps you out of the basement, which for, for those of you who are concerned with that, is a big deal. Uh, for those of you who aren't, uh, it, it's it keeps it uh, keeps you out of the the offer in the win column. So that does it for today's uh, today's show. TJ, thanks for joining us. We'll be back here next Monday to talk. Hopefully, finally, uh, after a month and a half, talking about uh, an IU win. Oh, geez, it's been more than a month and a half. It's been since September. Um, uh, and IU win and things like that. Keep uh, keep with us for all your Indiana football news. We appreciate you guys reading and listening and things like that. So 
Uh, keep going to HoosierHuddle.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. TJ, appreciate your time. Have a great, uh, great Monday evening and uh, enjoy another week of college football. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate it. We do. Uh, we could pull out the old major league line. Nobody's listening yeah. anyway. But hopefully that's not the case and we've got people listening. Uh, we'll be back next week and then we'll have you covered all offseason for what should be a busy offseason for Indiana football. Uh, again, Indiana kicks off against Rutgers at home on Saturday at noon Eastern. The game will be televised on Big Ten Network. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Uh, and we appreciate it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.